Welcome. I'm Jessica Tejan, and this is the Evolving to Exceptional podcast, where we talk about reaching peak performance in our workplaces, homes, and communities so that we can live our best life possible, an exceptional life. Welcome back to this week's episode of Evolving to Exceptional. We have another great partner here to join in and speak with us today. And we're joined by Jesse Torres. And Jesse is the founder of Fierce Grace Transformation. And she is focused on that space of how to reach peak performance and live your, your best life. And she is a motivational speaker, a heart-driven performance coach. She's worked with thousands of, of individuals individuals and coaches across the planet and has many years in the space. Jesse, can you tell us just a little bit from your perspective uh, about yourself and maybe a little bit about why you do what you do and what it is that is motivating you to spend your life's calling in the space that you're in? Thank you so much. And I appreciate you calling it my life calling because that really is what it is. Um, and you don't know it, you know, until you're navigating some of your own journey. And I'm super grateful for my journey. My journey has been honestly one of my greatest teachers. And I think um, the calling is to understand and recognize that suffering is an optional uh, uh, choice. That pain is going to happen. We're going to go through things. We're going to go through challenges. We're going to be hurt. But the suffering is the part that I really want to eradicate from the world because we don't have to suffer in it. And, um, you know, although grief is real and sadness is real and anger is real based on what happens to us, those are all emotional homes that we can actually experience but not live in. And so my journey has come from, a, you know, 18, my first 18 years of life being sexually abused by my father. And then the next 18 years of my life um, being in a very verbally, emotionally, mentally abusive relationship that brought me to a state of apathy where I just didn't want life anymore. It had beat me so profusely that I was I was wishing that somebody would blow the red light and just complete this journey for me because suicide was not an option because I had three kids and I didn't want to do that to them. But I was I was literally praying for someone to just take me out of this misery. Divorce wasn't an option. None of those I was raised, you know, a specific way where that just wasn't something that I even considered. I had given up on any aspect of happiness being a part of my life. I was just like a chameleon. I was everything I needed to be in order to keep the peace. Um, you know, with my father, it was when he could not, like if I fought him off or something happened, he, he never punished me, but he would punish my mother and my brother. And so as a child, I took that as my responsibility and that it was my fault when there was sadness or upset in the home. And so it was basically just suck it up, Jesse, because if you don't, others will suffer. And so I didn't know that I was continuing that pattern. And when I met my my uh, husband, um, you know, he when I turned 18, I, I rebelled. I was just like, screw you. I am like 18. You can't tell me what to do anymore. Um, and so I'd be like, what time do you want me home? You want me home at midnight? Okay, cool. I'll be home at two. And that's literally what my attitude was. And my mom would cry and be upset. And I remember she'd look at me like, you know, what are you doing? And, and I, I remember like not having words, but thinking as I looked at her, she's crying. And I'm like, how could you not see that I can't be here? 
you know, and I, I tried to tell her when I was 16 and I used the word molest and molestar in Spanish means to bother or annoy. And my dad twisted my words and she never spoke to me about it again. So for the next two years, it, it was the deepest, even more profound abuse that kept happening. And so when 18 came, I was like, I'm out. And I met my boyfriend at the time um, and he brought me home at two in the morning. My dad was on the porch and um, livid and looked at him, said, you get out, looked at me, said, you get in the house. And, you know, it was a, a bashing night for me. But next day, my then boyfriend asked me, you know, what's up with your dad? You know, and I said, what do you mean? He was mad because he brought me home late. And he's like, no, no, no. That was not an angry father. That was a jealous man. And in that moment, like unlock Pandora's box in a way that I shared with him more than he needed to hear probably. But in the moment that he still loved me and still wanted to be with me after all of that, it, it just short circuited my circuit to go, well, wait a minute. I already decided I'm unlovable. I've already decided I'm filthy and gross. Nobody's ever going to want me. What do you mean you still want to be with me? And I fell madly in love. And from that aspect, we're like, okay, so I wanted to get out of the house. I told my mom, who's just of Catholic faith, with all due respect. But for her, it was like, my daughter's not going to live with a man and not be married. So I moved out. Monday, I was married Friday. And, you know, 18 and 21, we were young kids, madly in love, and thought, this is going to be cool. He said he was raised in a very tragic home as well with um, a very abusive alcoholic mother who uh, was brutal. He was the youngest of four, the only boy, and he would come home to his sister's unconscious on the floor. Like that's how bad it was. And so he said, I'm never going to let my children see me drink uh, or drunk. And I thought my kids will never be molested. And we thought we fixed it. Right. So we talked about the picket fence, the dog, the kids, and we were going to we were going to do it. And so our intent was good. But what we didn't know was the emotional upset and the emotional trauma that we had experienced that we were bringing into this marriage. And so he only knew how to speak with vulgarity, rage and anger with his mother. That's how they communicated. And my dad was similar. He wasn't quite as um intense and vulgar. My dad would call us stupid and stuff like that, but he also used anger to get his way. So it was similar. And from my conscious mind, my subconscious mind, I was just like, oh, this is just what men do. And so I normalized it until I feel like I was bled out. I, I was stabbed in every way. I was called every name. I was bashed. I was raised at the highest level in a pedestal and knocked down to the lowest level of, of words that you would never want to be called. And so from that place, I, I just died in every way a human being could die. And coming out of that was an act of kindness. And this is what I, I speak on now so profoundly because I want everyone to know and not underestimate their power because the people that treated me kind wouldn't, don't even know who they woke up, right? Like their act of kindness another short circuit moment to call it this short circuit. I'm like, wait a minute, you're doing this for what reason? Like my dad told me, don't trust people. They just want to get in your pants because that's what he was doing. My husband said, just people want to subconsciously break up a good thing. So don't trust, don't talk to anybody about our marriage. So I always had this vision of what people were. And I looked down at the ground because he was very jealous. So I would get in trouble if I made eye contact. So I didn't connect. Shame was my emotional home. And when these people behaved kindly, I thought, what is this? And I thought, I, 
I knew that in that moment, it was a Saturday course I was taking. That Saturday class, something came alive in me. And when I went home, I was dead. And I was like, I don't know what this feeling is. I didn't even know to call it kindness. I just knew that if this feeling's available, then life is worth living. And it gave me the courage to get out of that situation. And from that moment on, I became obsessed. I was like, I had an insatiable hunger to understand human beings. I wanted to know why my dad did what he did, why my mom ignored it, why my husband did what he did, and why I allowed it. And I started to read and and go to workshops, seminars, anything I could do. I was in my own therapy sessions. And um, I got to the point where I looked at my therapist and I'm like, I want to do what you do, but that's a lot of school and a lot of years. <laughs> and she said, you should be a coach. And this is back in like 2003. Right? So it's like coaching wasn't as big as it is now. And I was like, you mean a soccer coach? Like I didn't understand. And and then I looked into it and um and I just went full force and I got certified through Coaches Training Institute and then ultimately made myself to Tony Robbins and became a coach there for seven years. And I just, in, in the process of coaching, you you heal yourself because you're going through your own processes. And and then since then, I've, you know, done, worked with a shaman for a year. I went to India, got meditation instructor. I've done all these things, but I got to tell you, nothing has taught me as much as my journey. Nothing has taught me about the evolution of the human spirit and the awakening that can happen when you fall in love with the aspects of you that went through the stuff and got back up. And so my outcome today, especially for leaders and upcoming leaders and people that are blazing the trail, it's like we don't wait for permission to step into the unknown and to do the uncommon. And those areas are the parts that contract us and we want to just stay safe and do it. But but there's the energy in in leaders that say, you know what, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't have total certainty. I don't have absolute data, but I have a feeling. I have an intuitive guidance. I have a conviction that I'm going to do this. And if it hasn't been done in a way that needs to be, then I'm going to blaze that trail and that you can do it. And that if you start to witness the gift of your magnificence in your journey, Every single time you took an uppercut in life, because I know you have, I, I, I can say with certainty that every single person listening has cried themselves to sleep at some point, has hurt, has suffered, had felt pain. And if we can start seeing the other side of that coin with the courage it took to stand back up, with the resilience that it took to not quit, with the tenacity that says, I'm still going to move forward and be kind in the world that you can and you have all the character traits to create whatever you want in your life. And that is my mission is to help awaken that human spirit and unleash that human potential. Wow. That is a story, Jesse. You have been through a, a lot in your life. And I want to kind of start just by commending you for your willingness to share with such vulnerability, for your willingness to open up and talk about things that are incredibly painful um, and challenging both both in your early life and in your and in your midlife, right? There's a lot there that you've been through. And I think oftentimes there's there's lots of people out there that have been through similar challenges and it's difficult to share. It's difficult to admit that pain or those experiences and either how they've shaped you or how they're continuing to impact you in, in various ways. And so my first kind of question for you coming out of, of that, giving us that background is a little bit of how do you see 
those experiences or those challenges or those traumas that you endured and experienced in your life impacting you or, or, or how were they impacting you and impacting your other relationships in ways that were maybe hindering your progress before you got to the place that you're in now, before you went through some of that growth and transformation. How was that playing out? You know, how was that impacting your your life or showing up in your life in various ways? Absolutely. Um, such a great question. I think for a majority of my life, um it it kept me in a victim dialogue. And I and I didn't know it. I just knew what happened. And I didn't I didn't know to call my emotional home shame. I just adopted a belief when my father behaved, I adopted the belief I did that of um that I was gross and filthy and, and no one would ever love me now. And 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 I, I didn't even have the language for it. It was just how my essence showed up. I was just like, oh, I, I'd look down at the ground. I couldn't even make eye contact with people because I could feel the dirty inside of me. And and so it what it did is it invited when I vibrate at the level of believing that I am, you know, not worth loving, then I attract people, situations, environments to prove me right. And so, like, I want you all to know that I have nothing but love and forgiveness for my father and for my my ex-husband. Like, I I love them as who they were in partnership with me to get me to this place where I can now awaken. And then they were they were that for me. So I just appreciate their their path in my journey to sign up with me and be these things so that I can awaken to acknowledging my own essence and my own beauty when I didn't even know what that looked like or what it was. And so the limitation was I was, I didn't like lacked confidence. Uh, if I got a job, I, I was, I was always driven. Um, but I, I would get, if I got in trouble for anything, like literally at a corporate, <laughs> at a corporate job, I got in trouble for something. I can't remember what it was, but I wouldn't look at my boss in the eye and and he's talking to me and I'm just like looking off to the distance and he kind of scoots over and he's like, look at me, you know, and I lost it. Like literally in his big, huge office, I'm bawling my eyes out uncontrollably because I was in so much shame that the minute I made, I did something wrong, it triggered that shame body. And I just, I, I, I'm so sorry. I mean, that that's literally how I talked to this mm -hmm. gentleman. So, And my journey was that you know i i was based on if you look at it psychologically from my dad you know just you know take it take whatever he gives you so that others don't suffer so it's always like maintain the peace it's up to you it's on your shoulders you fight him off you know your mom's going to be crying in the kitchen your brother's going to be freaking grounded in his room and that's your fault so then taking that energy into my marriage it's like now, you know, just make sure there's not even a Coke can on the counter because it'll erupt into a huge rage fit. So just so I lived with that hypervigilance. And so when you live with that hypervigilance, you attract hypervigilant situations mm -hmm. because your body is already in that expectation. And that's where you know how to live and vibrate. And so um, then those situations come into your world. And I think coming to that place of like, 
if you can imagine, nothing but this contracted, you know, hypervigilant life, you get to a point where I, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm just, I, I, I don't have any more in me to hold this. And when love comes in from people in through kindness, it's a whole nother frequency. It's almost like this scratch on the chalkboard. It's just like, but in a good way, right? It's in a good way. It's like I'm vibrating at this low frequency and this beautiful angelic melody entered. I'm like, I don't, what is that? And it, and it, 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 it shocked the system. And it's almost like a rebirth that happens at that moment. You get to that point of no longer. And so my outcome, because I want to make sure that listeners understand, the outcome is not to get to such a low for you to hear it, for you to demand it, for you to call it forward, because it's in you. It's there. It needs your calling, right? Whatever little tiny flicker was still left in me, that act of kindness sparked. And you all have it. No matter what your situation is right now, you don't need it to get to such a detriment that you have to like take so much before you activate that spark and you decide that you are worthy, that you are valuable, that you are magnificent and divine perfection. You were made through God's lenses in a way that if you could imagine, you know, just perfect, like you're, you're up, you're down, you're silly, you're crazy, you're, you know, um, moody, all of it is with exact precision and on purpose and with purpose. And you just got to fall in love with it. I love um, a lot of a lot of the the examples you just gave us, and I really the the story of you and your boss in your office in that corporate setting, and how that shame was triggered, um, really stuck with me there in terms of how often uh, those experiences, those traumas, those challenges that we've been through in our lives show up in those moments, in those in those other alternative settings, and oftentimes, um, you know, we talk a lot about workplaces. And, and oftentimes we like to think that our workplaces are, are um, immune from those impacts, that people can just leave those parts of themselves at home and not be impacted by those experiences in the workplace. But the truth is that they stay with us always. And so they show up in those various interactions and in those different settings. And, and you know, I talk a lot about on the show, my own experience in corporate and, and how that led to my own burnout experience and, and challenges um, in the last few years. So that makes me want to kind of ask you the question around, you know, okay, if those are the things that are impacting us and, and so now, now it's showing up in our workplaces and in our, in our different relationships, then what is it that people can do? What is it that you help them do to come out of or get out of that cycle of pain and suffering and start to live more fully and live more awakened? How do you help them walk that path? Beautiful. Thank you for asking that. Um, first of all, I want to say that I have a, a little 10-page guide that is a, a giveaway for your audience that I'll, I'll give you so that your audience can have. And that's kind of the first steps because sometimes we don't know what we don't know, right? We think, especially if we're successful and we're leaders and we're, you know, um, go-getter businesswomen, like we, we think, no, 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 I already forgave my mom. No, I'm good. You know, I have her over for Thanksgiving. It's not a big deal or whatever, or my dad or or the teacher or whatever. No, I'm good. I'm good. That doesn't bother me anymore. 
right? And so we don't know. Sometimes there's another thread that is in the trauma. And I call it trauma because it is. Like trauma does not have to be, a, you know, a rape. It can be, of course. But it could be something as simple as a little boy who goes to the grocery store with his mother and is playing with toys in the aisle. As his mother goes to the end of the aisle um, to g- grab something, she can see him, but he can't see her. He lifts up his head and like, mom, you know, he has that freak out moment. And she's like, I'm right here. And in that whatever, 10 seconds, he anchors abandonment, right? Like, because that moment of terror, like you left me, right? Even though she was right there, she soothes him. It's okay. Now, next time he goes to the grocery store, there's an anchor, the environment, right? And he holds on to mommy a little bit stronger. And now he's 25 and he's holding on to the girlfriend too tight and he's afraid and he's afraid she's going to abandon him. So now, you know, he's too clingy and too insecure and maybe jealous. Mm -hmm. And so then guess what? She does leave. And then he perpetuates his belief and he doesn't know. It's just like, I don't know why I'm so like jealous and insecure. And it's, and it's this thread because that moment triggered the pain body. So the trauma happened and now it starts to stack. Now he holds on to mommy tighter and then maybe one day she decides to take the older child, you know, to a game or something that he can't attend. And he's like, well, why didn't you choose me? Why did you take him? You know, again, whatever. I'm making this up, but it's actually different stories that I've coached where this happens and you don't know what you don't know. And so um, there is trauma experience. That was a moment of trauma for that child, even though mom did nothing wrong from the context of like being an abusive mother or anything like that but it causes that trauma in the body and the body has a memory so it starts to remember there's environment the grocery store just driving to the just the parking lot of the grocery this is familiar I don't know what it is but my body's feeling a little anxious and this is what takes on so what I do with people because right now in personal development there's so many coaches popping up which I love because I want more help to be there However, what happens is we get a lot more information on how to get out of where we are and we haven't addressed the actual core issue. And so I, uh, my analogy is we're buying new software and installing it on an old OS. <laughs> and so the operating system can't, the old patterns of behavior are still wired. And so it, it, it's short circuits. So if you do that with an actual computer, you're going to freeze right? You're going to, it's going to lock up and you're going to, what's happening? This is cutting edge software. And I'm like, but you haven't upgraded the OS to be compatible with it. And Mm -hmm. so we have to go, it's not therapy, but we do have to go. And and I have this keen way of discovering what's your limitation right now? What's happening? What is it you want? And what is stopping? What's preventing you from going there? And then let's talk about your journey. And there's a thread, like I call it the thread of the quilt of the fabric of your life, right? So there's a thread that is connecting to the now limitation that we need to go and love on. And honestly to God, it seems cliche and and corny, whatever you want to call it. I don't even put those labels anymore because we so have moved away from believing that love is the answer because we think it's kind of cute and corny and John Lennon says it, right? But it is. Love is transcends all frequencies. It is one of the highest vibrations. Joy is above that because joy is love in action, right? And so, and then enlightenment, you know? So again, when we are able to love ourselves as the champion in the arena of our life, instead of condemning ourselves, for years, I beat my inner little girl 
up like crazy. I I judged her. I thought you should have kicked. You should have screamed. You should have spit. You should have bit him. You should have whatever. I went through this whole path of like shooting myself because now I'm older and I know better. <laughs> and I'm literally judging my five-year-old self. And in that judgment, it just created more room for shame, more room for I didn't do enough. You screwed up. And so we start to look at our past journey as a way to condemn ourselves versus fall in love with the beautiful, beautiful little child that got back up. I think you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, love being considered cliche, but truly being what interconnects and interrelates us all in terms of our connections and our experiences. Um, and and often I refer to it as a, as a place of compassion. So from that compassion, heart-centered way of living is kind of that um, screen or that way of seeing the world in a way that, that activates that inner awareness and that inner um, desire and passion and purpose and all of the things that, that that you talked about there that really make make a shift and a difference. What do you see as, do you see any commonalities in the people that you work with in the challenges that they're addressing and what those, those limitations are? Do you see patterns or things coming up more often um, that are creating hurdles for people or leaders um, that are preventing them from showing up in the way that they would like to? Oh, 100%. Like, there's so many stories I can share with you, but I'll share one that is just most present. Um, and it has to do with a gentleman who, um, you know, he has a lineup of historical family members that are all entrepreneurs. And he has done well, and he is kind of an, a contractor, but he's still under somebody else's umbrella, and he's not necessarily doing his own thing. So he's successful. He has a family. He has kids and, and, and a wife. And he's at that point where he feels numb, right? Like he's burnt out, stressed out, and just numb. He's not unhappy per se, but he's just like, oh, I just know there's more for me and I can't seem to access it. And and I feel like, and and I can already like see it because there's one, there's a little bit of competitiveness in family dynamic of other entrepreneurs and he hasn't done it yet, right? And so there's a desire for it, but there's also a fear around um, not having certainty and resources to make, to hold his family together, right? So oftentimes for men and women too, but they they get married, have a family, and it's like their passion gets put on the shelf, right? Because I can't risk. I can't risk now. I've got people that depend on me. I have to take care of them. And so you know, on one aspect, that's beautiful because I, I appreciate his desire to hold his family. However, it's not okay at your own detriment, right? Where you give up your passion and you are hating life every day. You're doing good and you feel guilty for wanting more. You feel guilty because you're just like, well, I got, you know, money in the bank and, you know, and I got a family and I got a beautiful home and like, what's my problem? Why am I not happy? And it's that. And so what's happening is there is... um some uh, process of his own disbelief based on his family and what they've done and how he has to stand up to par. And so he's lost confidence in it. And so that lack of confidence is blocking him from being able to fully dive in to becoming an entrepreneur, even though he has the skill set, the mindset, the energy, but his own inner turmoil of comparing himself 
is blocking that ability to take the risk. And so he's just dead and, and to the point where his wife is like, do it. Do what you have to do because, and she, he's like, she's tired of me complaining. And she's like, yeah, I am. And I want to see you happy. And so that's where we get. We get to that place of burnt out. And, and it's like, we're like, I don't hate what I do, but it's not what I'm, I'm, my calling is. I, it's not what I, I'm lit up about. It's not what why I'm here. It's a vehicle. But there's something more in me that I'm meant to do. And sometimes that isn't shifting careers. Sometimes that's just a philanthropic thing you want to do or giving back. Or maybe you want to take your family on adventures and start living. I say suck the juice out of life, you know? Like how can you be turned on with life, right? I, I live by Howard Thurman's quote that says, uh, you know, don't ask what you could do for the world. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that because we need more people to come alive. And that's it. How do we create that spark? And it's only because there's something back here that's stopping you. Let's unravel it. And then I can give you tools to maintain it, sustain it, integrate it into your life, create new neural pathways in your brain. So it's now a new normal. And this no longer feels comfortable because right now it's uncomfortable, but it's familiar. The unknown is unfamiliar. And it's just like, oh, I want that, but ooh, will it work? And you know what? Again, like I said at the beginning, leaders don't wait to step into the unknown. They just do it, right? It's the only thing that things are created because everything you see was not created once, <laughs> right? Until somebody had the idea. And then, and then, hey, but that hasn't been done. And how are you going to do it? And how do you know it's going to work? I don't. But it's a thing that I want and I'm passionate about. And then boom, it just hits like lightning. So that's the the concept. But you have to get courageous and and the parts of you to to light up in a way that allows you to become unstoppable and unshakable. And that's my outcome for you. And we can't do it if we're just going to install new software. And, and I'll close with this in this part. When you don't do that and you hire the coaches that give you tools and say, just break through and do affirmations and bust through, right? You will get to a certain level. But when you find yourself stuck again, it invites the pain body to go, aha. And what happens is you beat yourself up even more because you're like, how oh, I did the seminar, I did the book the workshops, I read the book, and here I'm stuck again. Oh, I'm not getting anywhere, you know, and then it invites you to beat yourself up even harder. So mm -hmm. and I know this intimately, <laughs> right? This is part of what I would do. It's just like, I never thought I could be capable of helping anybody because I'm still a train wreck. I'm still a mess. And it's just like, no, I use uh, Ram Das quote that says, we're all just walking each other home. So it's not a level of hierarchy. I don't think I'm higher than anybody. I'm always the eager student. I'm just at a different part of the path. And I'm here for the people here, right? And I'm still learning from the people over there. And I love that because if we're not growing, we're dying. So I'm always like eager to learn from everyone that I come in contact. And um, that's the path. And, and you find yourself in that stuck place. You deserve a life of passion and freedom and purpose. And the minute you get that, all you want to do is give. Because what I know is, is that there's a judgment of self. There's a judgment of humanity. And when you come to the place of total love and acceptance for you, you see humanity through a whole different set of lenses. And all you see is the beauty. And then you feel the love.
That is a very powerful statement, powerful quote and perspective around, you know, how to view and how to interrelate with the world. I think I'm curious if you can give us a perspective on you've been doing this for a long time. If you've noticed a shift, have you noticed that there are more people that are in that burnout looking for something different in recent years? Or has it been fairly steady in terms of of people that are struggling with this challenge or experiencing this desire for transformative change to some different outcome? I think that it's been going on for a long time. However, I do believe that there's more people seeking a way out. Right. Like I think the the suffering of it has always been there, but people just muscled through. How many people do you know that have stayed in their job for, you know, 40 years and it just became their identity? I actually dated a guy like that. He was a firefighter and he planned his career so much so that he was going to retire at 58 and and be done. And he did. But because it was completely wrapped around his identity he went into massive panic attacks, massive anxiety, and he didn't know how to live outside of the identity he had created. And so all of a sudden, it's just like, who am I? Like, who am I? And so I think that nowadays people are seeking more answers. They're seeking that sense of, of falling in love with themselves. And so it's beautiful. I feel like there is a mass awakening happening in humanity and where we're really wanting that freedom to be loved, to be love expressed, to give love, to receive love. I mean, one of my hardest journeys has been receiving love, which it seems crazy because love is what I'm about. But because guilt and shame were like my emotional home, it's like, wait, why are you being nice to me? I was like, I didn't trust it. Right. And then I'll, let me get back to you. What do you need? Let me give you. And and it was always this. I have to reciprocate. And it's just like, how about and, and people have now entered my world where they're just like, how about you just let me love you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, that's so uncomfortable, right? And and just learning how to receive without all the meanings, right? That my dad told me, my husband told me, those are like still in the, the programming that says, are you sure? You know, and now I just ejected those so that I can be open to receiving because what I know as a giver, that it hurts when you want to really show someone love and they slap your hand. Or they say, you know what? No, it's okay. Let me give to you. And they're like, no, I don't want anything from you. I just want to love you. And so I don't want to rob people from the opportunity of giving love to me by writing the story that there's something attached to it. So imagine if we get to that place where we're just in a loving environment of giving and receiving and giving and receiving. And I mean, there's just, I mean, I just, um, I'm actually in Austin right now visiting my children they're all here and we went to an event this past weekend and you know the people they are attracting is like to be in an environment of people that are just in joy and everything is exchangeable and you're hungry hey I got an extra sandwich and hey you know I got an extra ticket to go here and it feels so incredible to be in that environment and I think that's what we're all seeking and I believe I have a very strong belief that we will get there I love that and I think I think what you do is so essential and needed that there are so many people out there that um, truly are sitting in their roles and in their positions and in their their current life situations, either unaware of what life could be like and what life could look like. The picture that you're painting of 
that passionate, purpose-filled, you know, awakened life where you have that energy rather than sitting in that um, stale state of just mere existence and mere survival. Um, and I think it is it is so critical and so essential. Um, I want to give you a chance here to just, um, you know, give us what would you say are the most important words of wisdom you have to offer for the audience, you know, uh, in terms of their next steps? If they want to get out of that stuck state, um, how do they get started? I, I know you're going to offer a download, which we'll put in the show notes for sure. Um, but is there anything you can offer them of, you know, a starting point um, to, to, to leap off from? Such a great question. And I, I feel like emotions stir up in my chest because the minute you say that, I feel like I'm connecting with all of your people and I'm, I'm with, with everyone that listens, right? Like if you're standing and you're able to listen, there is a light inside of you that's wanting to be fueled. Ignite it, fuel it, feed it. I don't care if you take lipstick and write on a freaking mirror every morning. I love you. You know, like, like my daughter did that for me. She wrote on my whiteboard when I was having a down day and she just put, damn girl, you look fine. <laughs> I would read that every day, you know, and it just would light me up. And so do whatever you have to, you are powerful, you are worthy and you like matter, right? You matter, you matter enough to you and who you impact with your love and there's a light in you that if you are the kind of person that says thank you like I, I want you to start to acknowledge and celebrate and be grateful for your giving beautiful heart you say thankful to the starbucks person you freaking celebrate that write that down in a gratitude journal and say you know what i'm grateful for my loving heart i'm i'm uh, love myself for saying thank you and being polite and complimenting that lady's smile because you don't know the chaos that is going on in people's lives. And the people that treated me kind have no idea. I did a good job of covering up my life. Nobody, people would come to us for marital advice. That's how much I covered it up. So you never know what's going on in people's journey that your one act of kindness can literally change the trajectory of their life like it did for mine. So start with you. Start with you. Celebrate you. Be kind to you. And all those things that I said, like just saying thank you, helping a little old lady cross the street, you know, somebody dropping something, you picking it up, finding a wallet, turning it in, any of those things. Like, God, I'm, I feel strongly about this. <laughs> um, write it down. It's a, I call it an honoring journal. It's a journal where I get to honor the Jessie in this journey. I get to honor her for, because my spirit, my, my spirit, my connection to God, source, universe, whatever you believe, is pure. It only sees my magnificence. It's the human experience that says I'm I'm not, you know, pretty enough or I'm not good enough or I'm not whatever. So my spirit's just like going, what are you doing? I'm all I see is divine perfection, but okay, I'm gonna hang out until you finish this doubt thing. Right. So my honoring journal allows me to remind myself who I am. And so when I say thank you, when I show up in kindness, when I give love, that light starts to ignite bigger and bigger and starts to supersede because here's the secret. Light will always trump dark. Always, always. 
you're in a pitch black room, you can't see your hand, you bring the tiniest little light bulb, it will illuminate that room. No matter how much darkness you go back and get to throw into that room, if that light is still lit, it will still illuminate. That is the power of your essence. That is the power of who you are. So fuel that light. It's not freaking corny. That society's way of dumbing down the very thing that's going to awaken humanity, right? We put labels on that so that we go, oh, we know that's corny. That's cheesy. That, and I always told my daughter, mom, I'm like, you got to love the corn and the cheese because it is the answer. And if you can begin with you and you can fuel that spark inside of you and you can start to celebrate who you are as a beautiful human being, then no matter what you have been through, if you're standing and you're listening, you chose to get back up. Start to celebrate the courage that took. Start to celebrate that you didn't become a mean, angry person because of what happened. Start to celebrate that you still show up and do your thing and you're kind and that you're nice and that you choose to laugh at silly things. All of those things are what matter. And then in closing, my outcome is to build an army of angels. That's my ultimate dream. And those are the people that when you fall in love with you, all you want to do is give. All you want to do is give because you see, and I have these beautiful like heart lenses that I really, all you see is through the lenses of love. And so when you, you love yourself, first of all, your business shifts. You, you literally like people are coming to you because you're an energetic match. I don't know what it is about you. I'm not even sure what you do yet, but I need to be around you. That's literally what happens in your business. What happens with your family is like, oh my gosh, you're just so fun to be around. Oh my gosh, I want you at the party. This is what starts to happen. And so you're so lit up that you look at the world that way. And all you want to do is give back. Now, how do I do it? That's my army of angels. So whatever talent gift you have, we're going to put you out in the world because you're going to say something to someone that will help connect them and wake them up that I might say the exact same thing, but it doesn't connect. I'm not attached to it being me. I'm attached to the waking up of humanity. So when you get woken up and lit up and fall in love, you will have the power to light up another. And that's how we change humanity and shift this sucker because we're in a spiritual war right now. It is tough out there. We're infiltrated with the negativity of the world, but the light is still winning. Light is still winning. If you have that light, start to fuel that energy. I, Jesse, I super appreciate that uh, idea around the the journal and capturing all of those insights and all of that um, uh, self honoring that you're that you talked about there. It's something that I've not done before, and I I probably will take that away as a, as a fantastic action to to incorporate. It's a great first step for people who are maybe not sure of of what where where to go next, or right are or are maybe right on that um, precipice of stepping into that journey of how do I discover myself and how do I create that that love and that self, um, especially that self love, that self compassion and caring and and appreciation for who we are. And so I just I love that suggestion. Um, I love all of the insights that you shared today. Thank you so much for coming on and being a guest today. I will definitely be including that free giveaway that you mentioned in the show notes. Is there any final thoughts you want to share with, with the audience before we wrap up this episode? What came to me now, and it's always different when I get asked that question, is I love you already. Like, there's so much love that is wanting to be expressed in the world. And we're scared. 
we're scared because what we're shown is man's inhumanity to man. And don't let the fear take over. Fall in love even more. That when you see the darkness in the world, don't let fear take hold. Get deeper conviction to show up in love, which if you look at it from light and dark, bring the light. Bring the light because uh, one light warrior will trump a thousand dark nights. I love that. I'm going to end on that note because I think that's so, so powerful. Just that, that image of the lightness and bringing that against, um, you know, the darkness or the challenges or the struggles that exist in the world today. So thank you so much for coming on. It was a great conversation. So appreciative. Um, and to our audience, as always, uh, just remember to keep evolving, keep growing and keep improving yourself. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.